Yesterday we did the Gra that says that the reason why Sukkot is on the 15th of Tishrei is because it's commemorating the second, the second Alane Kavod. The clouds of glory, although they started with us when we left Mitzrayim, but then there was a break by the Egel. And when did they come back? By the 15th of Tishri, when we started to build the Mishkan. So that's what we celebrate, the Ananek Avod that come the second time. This might help us answer a well-known question. We know that in the Midbar, Am Yisrael benefited miraculously from three items. Item number one is the man that was in the zechut of Moshe. There was the Be'er, Be'er of Miriam. It's interesting, by the way, that the man came in the zechut of Moshe. Man is physical sustenance. When you think of Moshe Rabbeinu, you think of everything spiritual. And yet he, in his zechut, we got the man. You think in his zechut, we got the Torah. But we got the man in his zechut. Not sure. Anybody have any comment on that? Why Moshe Rabbeinu would be the one that in his merit, mean, his merit means, you know when you invite someone over your house and you feel good that you have people over and you fed them? That means for 40 years, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one hosting the Jewish people by his table when they ate. That's what it means, Nezachut, meaning they were eating in his merit. They got the man because of him. Ke'ilu, every meal they ate, they had to thank the host, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, if you, if you think of spiritual accomplishments, you think of Moshe Rabbeinu. But the reality is, you can't accomplish spiritually unless you're given the physical tools to do it. Like we spoke on Rosh Hashanah. We need Hayim. We need the physical life to create the real spiritual life. So in whose zechut, in which person's zechut were we able to get physical sustenance because of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that's elevating the Jewish people spiritually. So when do you get the beracha of physical sustenance? The, when you are turning the physical sustenance into spiritual reality. And Moshe Rabbeinu, that means in the zechut of Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah, that's why Hashem gave Am Yisrael food. Interesting. That means when we when we elevate ourselves spiritually, there's a reason for us to get beracha physically. And when we use our money to support those who raise themselves spiritually and raise the world, that's why it is a tremendous zechut to be a partner with Torah. Torah means either with a Talmud Hakan, who's teaching and learning Torah, or with 
people who are involved, in not only themselves, but helping raising the spiritual body. When you become a partner with Moshe Rabbeinu, then automatically you're going to get the man. Because the whole purpose of the food is to get you to raise it spiritually. So in the zechut of Moshe Rabbeinu, who is elevating the Jewish people day after day, they're learning his Torah, they're together with him, they're his, he's, he's their rabbi. So therefore, when Moshe Rabbeinu is your rabbi, you know what happens to you? You start to get man, man in your life. When you take on a rabbi, meaning you become a student, everybody has to be a student in life. You know that, right? Everyone has to be a student. Everyone. That's why we call even the greatest rabbi, we call him a Talmid Hacham. Student of wisdom. He's a student of wisdom. If you take on, you have a rabbi who guides you, not a rabbi who you guide. Having a rabbi guide you to raise yourself spiritually, having a connection to Talmidei Hachamim, your life is going upwards. That's the zechut of getting the man. So Moshe Rabbeinu, in his zechut, Am Yisrael was well fed for 40 years. Man was not, by the way, man was not only food. Man was food that came with a berachat. That's a great example of Birkat Hashem Hitashir. I told you many times. Physical blessings are not always blessings. The only time physical blessings are real, complete blessings is when they come from Hashem. Birkat Hashem. When Hashem sent you that blessing, then it's not just a physical item, it becomes physical but complete. Because physical things, by their nature, they're incomplete. They can sustain you for an hour and give you a stomachache an hour later. They could taste sweet one day, next day you got to go to the dentist. The nature of physical things is that they have side effects. Many, many physical pleasures have side effects. Money could be great, but it could destroy your life, right? Food could be wonderful, but can make you overweight, can make you unhealthy. Everything in the physical world has a negative aspect to it. They are side effects. You have to know that. There's nothing in the physical world that's shalem, that's complete. It's great in one thing, not so good in another one. But if you have the beracha coming from Hashem, how many side effects did the man have? Zero. Nobody ever got sick. Nobody had even, they didn't even have to go to the bedroom. Zero, 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 zero. I mean, regular person eats, there's a side effect. It has to be in the bedroom a little bit. It's also a side effect. Not terrible, but it's also a side effect. The man had zero, zero side effects. Nothing. How come? Because it came directly Berkat Hashem. Berkat Hashem When Hashem sends you the man because you're connected to Moshe Rabbeinu, so that is not just a physical blessing. It's a complete blessing because it comes directly from the Creator. 
So anyway, back to our subject. The man was given in the zechut of Moshe Rabbeinu. The water was in the zechut of Miriam. And the Anane Kavod is in the zechut of Aharon Kohen. Anyone could, anyone could think why. Why because of Aharon Kohen? Why was he the one providing the Ananel Kavod to Am Yisrael? What do you think? So what did Aharon Kohen do that made him the person that because of him we have Ananel Kavod? He's saying Aharon Kohen. we know, it says that he was Zokheh, right? He was Zokheh to tremendous Chokhmah. Do you know that? He, he was Zokheh to tremendous wisdom. A godly wisdom. So much wisdom that when Am Yisrael had a question, we just learned about it this morning in the Gemara. But when Am Yisrael had a question, they needed the answer from God Himself. They went to Aharon Kohen. And which part of Aharon Kohen was able to help them? The Urim Betumim. He had in his breastplate. He had in there the Urim Betumim, was a parchment put in there. And when they had a question, they would come to the Kohen Gadol, Aharon Kohen, and they would ask the question, and they would the answer would light up with the letters. The pasuk says, "Vehayu alev Aharon." That this Urim Betumim that is going to answer the difficult questions in Am Yisrael is going to be on the heart of Aharon HaKohen. So the famous question that Hazal asked is that seemingly this Urim Betumim is on the wrong part of the body. Because if you think where, which part of the Kohen Gadol's body should this parchment go in and give the answer simply in the head. The head is where the mind is, where the hafma is. Why is the parchment going on his left? Why is it there? So Hazal say because he had a tremendous left. What was where was that left on display? It's not a one time thing. Right? It's not a one time thing. It's just Sometimes a one-time thing shows you what kind of person. Sometimes people do things once and it's wow. It's a one-time thing. But sometimes the one-time thing shows what the person is. You understand the difference? You could be a hero for a day. It doesn't make you special. But there are certain things that you do that are a true testimony to what kind of person you are, which is all the time. That is what happened with Aharon. People think it's a one-time story. It wasn't a one-time story. But Aharon Kohen went out to greet his brother Moshe that was coming to Egypt to become the leader of Am Yisrael. And Aharon Kohen was the person who was leading them for many, many years while Moshe was not in town. And now the younger brother comes in and takes over the leadership from his older brother. And now all the years of suffering in Egypt that he had to 
lead, you know, leading people during a depression is a very difficult, difficult job. When people are suffering, when people lost all their money, when people are, when you lead people during a good time, it's it's much easier. Arona Cohen was the leader for years while their miseries were just getting higher and higher. And Moshe and Aharon had to deal with all of that. All their Parnassah issues, all their Shalom Bayit issues, all their issues with the Egyptians, the political issues. All of a sudden, time for redemption. The time of redemption was like a new... They started flying high. All of a sudden, Ten Makot. Their blood, their their water is water. The Egyptians is blood. They're stopping to work for the Egyptians. They're becoming more mechubad. Who takes over to become the leader in that time? Imagine you spent your whole life investing in the difficult part of the business, and you raised the business to be uh, Forbes uh, top. Uh, what do they call those? Four hundred. Four hundred is too little. One hundred. Fortune 500? No, if SY, they don't like 500. Imagine you spent, your, your, the, the company was in shambles and you spent 60 years on this company to build it and build it and finally it hit and you became from the top 100 companies in America. And what happened? When the, when, when the father is ready to leave the world, he said, listen, I want to give my younger son the, uh, he, he's going to be the CEO of this company. Well, your, your younger son, he's been in L.A. for 65 years. He's been surfing on the beach. What are you talking about? I, I was, I was, I built this company. Is he able to talk like that? People love like that. I built this company with my sweat. You know, you know those speeches? With the sweat on my brows, I stayed up nights. I traveled the world. I, I, you know those I declarations? Could you imagine Aaron Cohen and Moshe Rabenu? Moshe was doing great things wherever he was, but as far as Aaron's concerned, he could have been surfing in L.A. It had no, no help, no bearing on his, on his job. The man was working through the most difficult time in our history, and now finally the redemption came. He's invested, invested, invested. Comes Hashem and says, Okay, your younger brother, is taking over for the next uh, next uh, part of our. That's a that's a that's quite a shot. People, brothers don't get along for much simpler things. They don't get along. Could you imagine what would happen? What happens? The younger son is promoted to the 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 the, the best time in our history. The greatest time in our history is those years. The best 40 years in the history of the Jewish people were the 40 years of the Midbar. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the one leading them. What's Aharon's feelings about it? Would he smile when his brother comes in? Maybe if he was a big man, he would be able to fake a smile. It's, a, it's also a good, a good level when you're able to fake you're happy for somebody. Some people can't even do that. But the Pasuk says, Hashem told, he told them, that he's going to be really happy for you. He's going to be wholeheartedly happy. Says the Midrash, you know why Aharon got this tremendous chokmah that people, when they wanted to get Hashem's opinion, it would go through him? 
Why did Aaron get that merit? Because of this midah that he was happy for his brother. He was sincerely happy for his brother. That sincerity, that happiness for a brother, it gained for him the wisdom. Hashem says, I want to give my wisdom to you. You're going to have more chokhmah than anybody else. When there's going to be a question, nobody can answer it, you can answer it. And it was Alev Aharon. Because it was in the merit of his lev, the love that he had for his brother, that is why he got the wisdom. Is there a connection? Why if I'm happy for my brother? If I'm happy for other people's success, which is one of the most difficult things in life, you know that. Oh, what could be the reason? What do you think the reason is? Because I love you, so Hashem says, oh, you love that guy? I'm going to give you chokhmah. I'm going to give you wisdom. What's the, what's the connection? I understand. Because I love you, so uh, I will make you have a hen. People will love you. Okay, I understand. You love others. Hashem will cause others to love you. That, that, that makes sense. What's the connection? Because I love you. So Hashem says, oh, you love that guy. I'm going to give you chokhmah. There's no greater gift in life than giving somebody wisdom. And there's no greater weapon in life than wisdom. person who's smart, who knows a lot, can take that information and use it for all the wrong things. He can manipulate people. He can use it for hurting others around him. He can destroy the world with chokhmah. Chokhmah, at the end of the day, is a very big power that humans have. So he says, when Hashem sees that you love people, so that's a reason to give you chokhmah, because you'll use it to help others. But if you don't love others, then you're going to use your chokhmah for, for, for ways to hurt others. So how does Hashem know that the chokhmah is going to give you is worthwhile to give you when you have a hava for other people? He knows the wisdom will be used in the right in the right way. That's really very beautiful, very nice. He's saying that one of the prerequisites for asking a person advice. Who should I ask advice from? Right, everyone loves to give advice. So one of the prerequisites, one, not all, is more. One is that the person has to love you. He has to care about you. He doesn't care about you, you can't trust him. So here Hashem gave Aaron Cohen Chokhmah for others. But why would others even go to him? He's not an address for people to go to him altogether. But because he became an address, because he cares about them, now people will come to him, and they should come to him. Now he's an address to give him wisdom. When you love somebody, you become capable of advising that person. And now Hashem gives you the wisdom to be able to help others. Beautiful. After I give my answer, I think they'll all work together. When a person is not happy for another person. Why not? What does it bother you if a guy has a nicer house? 
does it bother you? What does it bother you? He has a nice house, a big house. What does it bother you? He made more money than you. Why does it bother you? Listen, I understand if you don't make money and you're not happy, that's okay. But why does it bother you when you hear that someone succeeded? Why does it bother us? Be'emet, why does it bother us? At the end of the day, it doesn't affect you. Before he lived in the house or before you knew about it, after you knew about it, your life is the same. You're sleeping in the same bed as last night. Your business is the same as the day before. All of a sudden you heard something and it bothers you. Why? How come it bothers you? The answer is because there is a part of us, inside of us, that wants to grab everything for ourselves. If we can have our wish, we would love to control the entire world. If it were possible, we would love to have everything by us. Because we have, you know, it says, It says that the world is created for me. Now that's a real thing. Which means there is a feeling in all of us that the whole world really is mine. And I even have a kind of a desire. Again, sometimes it's way beyond my ability. You know, the guy sitting, collecting a dollar or two, doesn't have a dream of becoming a, a very wealthy man because it's way beyond his ability. That's the only reason why we don't think of the entire world. But within us, as we get more and more and more and more, the human desire wants us to get as much as we can. Think about what's going on in Ukraine. Right? What's going on? Here's a man. Think about it. It doesn't make any sense. Here's a man that has a control of tremendous amount. You know, people get excited when they're the president of a shul. Shul has 10 people. They voted one guy president. He walks around feeling, I'm the president. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who invites the Kohen. There's only one Kohen. <laughs> There's only one Kohen, but he invites it. Doesn't bechavot Kohen. Nice. You feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Ten people. This man literally has under his control probably billions of people. He has a country, huge country. There's no end to how big Russia is. It's huge. The control that he has over other countries. And he has Dalit Amot next to him. And he needs to get it. It's an unbelievable thing. They lost hundreds of thousands of people are dead today. You know, you know how many mothers lost their children? You know, you think of 300,000 people that died. That means there are 300,000 mothers, more or less, that huh? lost uh, lost a million people. Okay. Do you know what that is? You know, you know we look at a Lawlin or an orphan. I'm sorry, look at a mother, excuse me. At a, we look at a mother who lost her child. For the rest of her life, she's not the same. Just yesterday I was talking to somebody. I said, oh, he's talking about his grandmother. I said, I, I never met his grandmother. I said, oh, how's your grandmother? She's like, no, she's never been the same. Same from what? She said, when, when years ago, about 40 years ago, she had a child 
He had a terrible accident. He passed away. 40 years later, she's still not the same. You understand what kind of damage it is? When you see one person passed away, he had a mother, he had a father, he had a grandmother, he had a grandfather, he had a wife, he had a child. And you're talking about million, a million people. And all for what? To expand, another, I know I make, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it's really that simple. You basically want another Dalit Amut. You know, the Ukraine in the, in the bigger picture is a very small part. But that's how powerful, you know, you might, me and you might laugh and say, oh, this guy's crazy. Why does he need more? But it's not like that. All of us are like that. But if you have four, so you look at the six next to you. When you have the six, all of a sudden, you look at the ten next to you. The way of life, he's no different than us. Don't think he's crazy and we're normal. We're the same. Because we have this inner drive of Bishvili Nivraha Olam, that I need to get as much as I can under my power, under my control. So that's why when somebody else bought a building, ah, you know what I feel? I really feel I lost the building. Now, I don't feel that way. I'm not in the business. But if I was in the business, I'd feel that way. The guy who says, nah, I don't care. Of course you don't care because you're not relevant. People, they say, I don't care about these things. You only don't care because you're not in it. If you'd be in it, then it wouldn't be so easy not to care. A person automatically wants to expand his, his power, his territory. Now, if you're very, very little, so you're thinking in little terms. As you get bigger, it becomes bigger. That's just the way of the world. The reason why I'm not happy when somebody else is is doing well, again, if it's far from me, I don't really. It's so irrelevant that I don't. I don't connect it to me because because my wings only go near where I am. But so long as where it's close to me, when somebody is successful, automatically there's a reason to feel bad. Why? Because in my heart. I believe that I could and should have control of the world. Again, my world, and it keeps expanding. Good. That's the reason why people aren't happy for others. It's a, it's a, it's a sickness, but it's a sickness that God created. That we, within ourselves, for example, a cow is not looking to capture the world. That's not, it's not part of its of its desires. It desires to eat. It desires to sleep. It desires to mate. But that's not one of its things. But a human, you should know, a human, the human side of us is that we need to feel more controlling of things. And we keep going more and more and more. Look at Alexander the Great. What did he do? Just kept taking more. Imagine trying to take over the world. Like, what are what do you need that for? What, what is the goal of trying to take over the world? How does that change your life? Why do you need that headache altogether of controlling the world? Again, from, from my vantage point, the guy looks like he's a, he's a hamor. But you have to know that when you're in those, that bigly, that's the next item. 
and you also have the next item. That's the way things work. Hashem created that in us, that we should want to expand our reach. Now, in reality, why did God give us this feeling? Remember, every energy that God gives us has a positive and negative. What is the positive of such a feeling? What's the, what's the, what's the positive of this feeling that I feel that I need to expand? I need to... Huh? Answer is to feel the responsibility for the world around you. Hashem created that you should be bigger than who you are. Don't just look at your Dalet Amot. Look at your family's needs. Be bigger. Look at your community's needs. And then start expanding. Start feeling the responsibility for the world around you. And keep expanding. Yes, we are. When it says, Bishvili Nivraha Olam, the purpose of that statement is, it was created for you means... It's your responsibility to make it a greater world around you. Bishvili, you. It's Bishvilcha. Hashem created a world around you for you so you can affect that world. You can teach that world. You can give that world. You can change the world around you. Bishvili, Hashem put you in the center, wherever the center is. He put you there and He surrounded you with a world that world that you're surrounded with is Bishvilcha. There's a reason why you have a father and a mother. There's a reason why your father is the way he is. One time a person asked me this summer, I may, may mention it to you. What do I do if my parents come to the Shabbat table and they're talking like Shonara and they're not, they're not at the Shabbat table? I said, look, if it was a stranger, I wouldn't tell you to go sit on the table. But there's a reason why they're your father and mother. What should I tell you? If Hashem surrounded you with a father and mother like that, that means there's a certain responsibility you have to change their life. And you got to figure that out. I don't know exactly how to go about it. We'll sit down and talk about it. You have to know that wherever you are in life, wherever Hashem puts you, that's your center. And He surrounded you he surrounded you with people for you. Because you need to be bigger by taking responsibility for the people around you. So I don't believe all things. A guy, a guy is, uh, he's, he's in danger of saving his life on Shabbat. Right? What do you do? You have, I have my Shabbat. How big is my Shabbat, by the way? How big is my Shabbat? How big? So big is my Shabbat, the Torah says that if you would just turn on a light on Shabbat, they would take you like the Sa'ir of the Azazel. They would take you and they'd throw you from the mountain and you'll be stoned. I know we don't like to think on those terms and we're never going to have such things in our lives. But the point, and by the way, even in the time of the Bedin, rarely did they ever actually stone somebody. But the Torah does want us to know something. That turning a light on, on Shabbat, is worth that you don't live anymore. It's not worth it that you should continue living. If you just turn a light on on Shabbat. 
they would take you and destroy you. Not because God is angry at you. It's not why they're doing that. But the message is that your life is not worth living. So you might as well just check out now. And we will help you at least get some kapara. That's how bad turning a light on Shabbat is. You understand? Just turning a light on. That's all it is. In the Torah's eyes, sekila. Yet now, all of a sudden, you see some stranger in the street. that you don't even know the guy. You see him, and he needs, uh, he needs medical care. Could you get in the car and drive it? Well, let's think. I have my Shabbat. Right? It's a big, Shabbat is big. His life. Not my life, his life. Mahalal Shabbat. You have to Mahalal Shabbat. Why? Can you imagine? I have to give up my Shabbat for his life? By the way, why did Hashem make the world that way? You don't, you know, we have all these rules about, okay, helping somebody and Shabbat and how do you do it and why did Hashem make even that situation come up? You don't think Hashem could make it? That you'll never have a case where you'll have to be mehalel Shabbat for another person? You don't think Hashem could plan the world in a way? You'll never have to fight. You'll never have to have a fight between Shabbat and saving somebody's life. It'll never happen. Can, that, can Hashem orchestrate that? Why did He orchestrate in this world that there will be a choice altogether between my Shabbat and his life. You know why? To teach you how important your responsibility is. That you need to give up your Shabbat to save another guy's life. To save his life even for a minute. You put away your Shabbat and save his life. That's a, that's a huge principle that Hashem wanted to teach us when he created this situation of your Shabbat and somebody else's life he wanted you to know how big your responsibility is. So wherever Hashem puts you in the world, He made you responsible. The world that was created around you is for you. It's not by accident you live around people that need your help. It's not by accident that people need money and you have it. It's not by accident that people need your advice. It's not by accident. You're in the world that you were put in. For you to feel that responsibility. That is the powerful part of Bishbilin Ibraha Olam. But unfortunately, like everything else in life, if you don't use that, if you're not out there trying to take more responsibility for the world around you, automatically what's going to happen? You're going to want the world around you. But instead of responsibility for them, you're going to want it to be for you. You want to control those people. Instead of helping those people, you want to control them. That's why when somebody isn't happy, when somebody else is making money, he knows he's living the wrong part of Bishvilin Ibrahim. He's obviously not feeling responsibility for people around him. Because if he would, he would be very happy the guy made money. But since you're not feeling the responsibility, automatically you're going to feel the need to be powerful over and controlling over things around you. You follow? It's the same exact energy. Or you take responsibility for others 
or you're going to want to grab everything they have. So when a person is not happy, that's what's going on with him. Hashem says, what is the greatest gift there is in the world? Greatest gift. What's the greatest gift? Wisdom. Wisdom is Hashem's Torah. Hashem is wisdom. Now, Hashem says, let me see. Should I give you my wisdom? Should I, should I give you this powerful gift that I have? Should I share it with you? Well, let's see. If you're happy for somebody else, that's the real test. If you feel responsibility over others. If you're happy when somebody else gets something, then I see that what? I see that you're a person who shares. You're a person that wants others to be happy. You want them to enjoy. And I see that you are responsible for them. So therefore, of course I'm going to give you my wisdom. But if you're a person that wants everything for yourself, Hashem says, you know what? I'll keep the Torah by me too. I don't have to give you the chokhmah. I don't have to give you the wisdom. That's why in the zechut of Aaron being sameach for his brother, which showed his tremendous responsibility that he felt for the people around him, it's one and the same. He also became the person of chokhmah that God would give him the wisdom. Hashem says, you're the right guy to give wisdom. Now, why the clouds of glory in his zechut? We'll just finish off with that. Why are the clouds of glory in his merit? Anybody here? Any reason? He, he's saying the clouds of glory was a great gift to Am Yisrael. was a great beracha to Am Yisrael. And where does beracha come? He's saying it really, actually very nice. Yes. When does Beracha come to Am Yisrael? When does Beracha come to your home? When does Beracha come to your family? When there is Shalom. And Shalom doesn't mean you don't fight. You actually bring completion to the other person. When there is Shalom in your home, there's Beracha in your home. When there's Shalom in Am Yisrael, there's Beracha in Am Yisrael. And who was the one that brought that Beracha to Am Yisrael? Aaron Kohen. He was Ohev Shalom, Berodev Shalom. And in his Zechut, we got the blessing of protection and the clouds of glory. Is there a connection between the simha of Aharon, not the shalom? The shalom is very nice. Is there a connection between the simha of Aharon for another, for his brother, to us getting the clouds of glory? He's saying one of the reasons that a person can feel happy for another person. Why do you feel happy for another person? Because you know Hashem runs the world and what you get, you get. What he gets, he gets. Oh, oh, the be that meaning part of the way, right? Is that you should, you should feel it's all bitahon really. When Hashem puts me somewhere, so I have bitahon that I'm here for a reason. I got what I got for a reason. I didn't get what I didn't get for a reason. I'm around those people for a reason. All of that is seeing how Hashem put me in this place and I have a responsibility. When I have bitahon, right? Then. Hashem takes care of me. When I'm boteyah b'ashem, Hashem takes care of me. Why was Aharon able to be happy for his brother? Because he had bitahon. That what's not mine is not mine. What's his is his. Such a, such a mindset brings extra protection. When you're boteyah b'ashem, the more you have bitahon Hashem, the more Hashem takes care of you. That's why it says, we say, I'll finish over this, 
It says in, we say in the end of Berkat Amazon, a pasuk in Navi. It says, Baruch HaGever, Baruch HaGever, Blessed is the man, Asher Yiftah Bashem, that he has complete trust in Hashem, Behaya Adonai Miftaho, and Hashem will be his trust. They ask, that, that's repetitive. Baruch HaGever, Blessed is the man, Asher Yiftah Bashem, that has bitachon in Hashem. Ve'aya Hashem miftaho. And Hashem is his trust. It's the same thing as trusting in Hashem. So they say, no, no, no. Baruch ha-gever esher yiftach b'ashem. You trust in Hashem. Ve'aya Hashem miftaho. Hashem will be there to protect you. The more you trust in Him, that's the way Hashem made the world. That the more you give me the trust the more I will be there for you. That's why it says, Tenu oz lelohim. What's tenu oz? Give Hashem the strength. Could you give Hashem strength? That makes sense. The source of all strength. You're going to give Him strength? The strength is what? He wants to take care of you. He wants. But He could only take care of you when you trust in Him. So give Him the strength to take care of you. How? To trust in Him, to have bitahon in Him. And the greatest way, probably, that you can show your trust in Hashem is to be happy when other people are successful. That's, that's the real test. If you have bitahon Hashem. If you can be happy for your brother, took over the company after 60 years of you investing in the company, and you can be happy for that, you got real bitahon. When you have bitahon in Hashem, Hashem says, I'm going to send you the clouds of glory in your life. Be'ezat Hashem. We should have tremendous simha and hadith sukkot. Hashem shall bless you all.